Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And friends, I am so excited to have this patriot, this true journalist, somebody that has broken a lot of historic stories in the past just year. This gentleman, uh, Mike Cernovich, is an author. He is a filmmaker. He broke the story. He is what broke the Epstein story wide open. And his new movie, Hoaxed, is something that you absolutely must see. Without any further ado, my pleasure to introduce you all to Mike Cernovich. Mike, thank you so, so much for taking a little bit of time out of your schedule today to join me. My brother, it's absolutely an honor to have you. Well, thanks. I feel like I have to up my own, you know, energy level because I, my usual way of, hey, how you doing, has to match that intro, that energy that you have. So it's a pleasure and honor to be talking to the maybe Tom Fitton, you, the most, I would say, jacked man in the conservative movement. You know, the, <laughs> there's Fitton's a big boy, you know, and it's kind of funny ever since I started like pro trolling him, the shirts are getting tighter and he's just leaning into it. So it's, it's good to have some, you know, conservative men who are, you know, not skipping leg day, so to speak. I, I hear you. I met Tom. He is pretty yoked. But yeah, it's it's a it's a pleasure to be on with you uh, with this coronavirus, which we'll talk about some of that, because obviously that is nonstop 24 hours, no matter what news station you you watch. It's all the coverage. We're going to get into that. But I want to talk a little bit before I get into your movie, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. I learned so much and I'm in this genre. I'm in this space, Facebook with Google, with being an influencer, with being a citizen journalist, with trying to bring the truth to the public. I learned a lot. So I definitely want to touch on that and have some clips from that. But let's cover really quick the Epstein stuff. You were pivotal, literally crucial in the breaking of Jeffrey Epstein getting exposed and getting caught and then eventually getting sent to jail and then eventually getting murdered because we know Epstein didn't kill himself. But why don't you share with us what was it that you were on? How long did it take and how did you break that story and make it mainstream media news that they couldn't deny? Yeah, the it's kind of a long arduous journey because we initially were just trying to figure out why these public records were under seal because that's not the way the court system is supposed to work. The, if you file a lawsuit in federal court and involves public figures, it's just open. If you want privacy, go to arbitration. And we couldn't figure it out. We knew it had to be something big though, because the case was Literally, with the, to use an overused term, unprecedented, everything about the Jeffrey Epstein case was unprecedented. From the criminal prosecution deal he got to him committing, quote unquote, suicide recently, unlike anything you've ever seen. And the civil case was no different. The um, A woman had uh, the accused pedophile madam is what we call her, had been um, denying that she had been involved with Jeffrey Epstein. And then one of the victims sued her for defamation, and the whole case was under seal. And we thought, well, we have a right as a public to know what's going on here. So we filed a motion to intervene to find out if we can get these documents, and the judge denied the motion. So then we appealed it. The Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press filed actually – it's called an amicus brief or a friend of the court brief. They filed the brief saying, no, 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 you know, Cernovich – 
uh, is right here. We should get these records. So as this is happening, I'm like banging my head on the table. Why doesn't the media care? Why won't they report it? What is going on? They wouldn't do anything. And it was triggering. I was triggered like a snowflake because this is actual real injustice. This is a real issue of public concern. This is a big boy legal case. Nothing. Other than Politico did write one article in 2017. Josh Gerstein is a quite actually competent legal journalist. But then what happened was Julie Brown started of the Miami Herald started doing all this reporting on Jeffrey Epstein. But, and this is not a thing on Julie because Julie did great work. The media was like, oh, Alexander Acosta is the guy who gave Jeffrey Epstein this great, great deal in Florida. Alexander Acosta works for the Trump administration. Now we have our get Trump hook. So the media writ large, this is all true. It can all be verified. This is not Julie Brown, but CNN, the Daily Beast, everything was like, oh, we have our Trump hook. Now we'll suddenly care about it. But they didn't care. And I watched them not care for two years. They didn't file any kind of open records lawsuit. They weren't supporting it. But then once you had Alexander Acosta, we have that Trump angle. Now we can go after Trump via Epstein. Then it became a huge story. So all this was going on and you were in the middle of trying to help uh, figure out what was going on or at least bring the truth to the people for two years. And it wasn't until there was a supposed connection between the president that the mainstream media even cared. Yeah. And this is you can Google all this, like Google Trend it. You can just measure it. There were no stories. There was only one story about the case filed in, again, Politico. It was called like the one weird case connecting Dershowitz, Trump, Clinton. It was kind of a a salad thing. And that was it. Now, that was it for years. And all these reporters, they read my Twitter. They want to bash me. They want to attack me. So I know they've read it. That's what I mean is I don't need like high fives, but any reporter claiming they didn't know this case was ongoing, they're lies because people have probably read quote unquote articles about my tweets, you know, oh, exposés yeah. and the, the house. Okay, okay. So you're reading me. So if you're reading me and you're hoping that I say a mean word on Twitter, then you're, you're obviously knowing about Epstein and you're not reporting about it. So the media was absolutely complicit in covering up yes. for Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. Well, we remember hearing that one news anchor, I think from on MSNBC or NBC, when it ever, when everything did finally break, she was like, she had information for, wasn't like 18 months and NBC just kept stifling it and saying, there's no story here. We're not going to cover it. Yeah. Project Veritas broke that with ABC, I believe, but they're all, all the networks are the same. They're all the same. NBC had the, the Weinstein story, right? And then they refused to break it. So Ronan Farrell had to quit his job to go break it to another outlet. And I think that brings an important concept that most people don't know about. I didn't know about until I started doing hoaxed and other movies and projects. It's called access journalism. And what the the anchor said, I believe it was Amy something, but I don't want to get anybody's name wrong. So what the anchor said was, hey, if we go after Prince Andrew and Epstein, then the royal family is not going to give us those interviews anymore. We're not going to get Kate Middleton and Prince Henry or whatever his name is on Good Morning America. And that's literally how it's done. It's access journalism. That's the same way Harvey Weinstein was. He was doing this for years. You can actually go find videos. I think it was from Courtney Love even years ago saying, don't ever go to a hotel with Harvey. 
right? And everybody's like, oh, chuckle, chuckle. All this stuff is verifiable. So they all knew about him, but yeah. he was making big movies. So if you're NBC and you break a bad story about Harvey, then you're not going to be able to interview his actors and get those page views and clicks and ad dollars and all these big films he produces. So I actually, yeah. I hold the media in just great contempt because how dare they lecture any of us while they knew what was going on, they refused to break it. But then once one person breaks it, there the media goes, oh, okay, we're you know, we're so great, love us, we're needed now more than ever. And this is a big congratulatory thing, but how many people could have been saved if ABC had reported on what it knew about Epstein years and years ago? Yeah. You know, between hearing you talk and watching hoaxed, I just have a, a whole greater appreciation for what it is that we do being citizen journalists, trying to bring the truth to the people and a greater disdain for the mainstream media and how they will absolutely sell people out. I mean, they were literally selling out every single girl that was a victim of Epstein or that was a victim of, of Weinstein. They're, they're victims because of the mainstream media. The mainstream media could have blew the lid off of it and they chose not to so that they could have access. It's just disgusting. Well, and so, yeah, it is disgusting. They're harming people. And then what I find doubly frustrating, and I know you find frustrating, is if you tweeted like a bad word, that's a big story. Oh, Candace Owens says something, you know, trans, something or other. Every paper. And you're just like, yeah. shut up. We're just people on social media having a right. conversation. But we'll, we'll be front page news. Front page yeah. news. I said, let me tweet out a bad word on Twitter. And I would be it would literally be the number one story on CNN. But Jeffrey Epstein's out there like raping children and Harvey Weinstein is out doing, you know, God knows what for decades. And they won't report it. But then they act really brave because they're reporting on our tweets. And that's where you find out that they don't actually they don't actually care about people. They they just want to destroy people. They destroy innocent lives all the time. I've gotten before. This is so bizarre is this is objective. Again, there's ways to measure it. Bad jokes that I've made that I've said were bad jokes. I don't stand behind that. Were reported on more widely than Jeffrey Epstein in the pedophile network. Right. Wow. Think about that from And that shows how dumb our media is. Who cares? But that's what they do. And it's all about how they can target people and silence people. It isn't about how they can report the truth or do anything truthful. Let me ask you this, just because it's been in a lot of Twitter. It's kind of going viral on Twitter right now. Somebody, some guy posted a video saying that Oprah Winfrey's house had been raided. Do you see any any validity behind anything that has to do with Oprah and maybe stuff with with Epstein or Weinstein at all? Just what's your what are your thoughts? No, no, I don't. I, I my belief on that actually is that it's a um, it's a disinformation operation by the actual pedophiles to make it look like, oh, they're at it again. And here's here's why I believe that. So in 2000 and 16, 2017, a very trending hashtag came involving a type of food. I won't name it because it'll get your podcast flagged, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. And I was like, you know, something gate, you know, was, yeah, know was floating around. Yeah. It's yeah. in the movie so, Hoaxed. Yeah. So the movie Hoaxed. And I just started tweeting out about Jeffrey Epstein, about Prince Andrew, about all these cover-ups. And then suddenly, like by magic, they, they, whoever they is, whoever shaped the narrative, and I think it was um, some kind of foreign operation. They're like, oh, no, it's all about this pizza parlor. And right. it's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Like, there's like nobody talking about that. And then the conversation was completely shaped away from 
Epstein and Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton flying on Epstein's plane and the, the BBC broadcasters who got in trouble. All that shifted away to, oh, can you believe that they targeted this pizza parlor? And then right. I'm like, show me a video. I never even said, said the name of it. They can't find one video. They've watched everything I've done where I've, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what's happening there. And then you realize, oh, that's what they did. I realized it after the fact. They shaped the narrative to get the heat off of Epstein by making it look like, oh, all these lunatics are talking about some pizza parlor. We're watching that now happen with the Epstein stuff. They're like, oh, oh, no, no. See, they're saying Oprah's involved. They're just saying everyone's involved. So you right. can't believe anything. So it's a major, Good. major – I think it is by – uh, foreign agents. It, it is by people involved in the pedophile blackmail network. Well, good because it's a it's it's uh, really hard to think about Oprah having to do with it. I don't agree with her on a lot of fronts, but that doesn't mean I want to see her involved in something like that or even believe that she could be. So I guess for all the questions out there, at least uh, that suffices for me as far as what you're suggesting. I, I put a lot more faith in that than I do than I do Oprah being involved in anything like that. Uh, yeah, share with and, us and I, how you felt when Epstein actually finally was arrested and went to jail. What would that feel like to know that you played such a pivotal role in that entire thing? Yeah, my phone was just like blowing up. It's like, I what's bet. going on? It was, I think, a Friday night or it was it was dark outside. People were like, oh, my God, Jeffrey Epstein got arrested. I was like, oh, come on. No way. No way. And really? It was right. You're just like, get out of here. Right. And it was a very surreal moment where you, it's almost like out of body where you know it's like happening to you, but you feel like it's not happening to you. It's dissociative. So you feel like you're watching it happen to someone else because wow. it's, it's kind of hard to comprehend rationally. And then, it, you know, it felt so then it felt very good to know that we've done a good thing. And then I just watched Absolutely. all these media people and reporters try to pretend like I was involved. You know, I just watched them all go to just write me out of the story, despite like all the money that we crowdfunded and raised and everything. And you realize they're just never going to change. Well, and that's probably because now that was that was after 60 Minutes, which I'm going to show that clip later. But that was after the whole hit on you, right, from 60 Minutes and, and the mainstream media. They knew who yep. you were. Yep. Yeah. So they didn't, there's no way they wanted to give yeah. you any attribution or credit for no. taking down what's the world's at least most uh, uh, most uh, egregious and, and had gotten away with it for the longest period of time, pedophile in such a prominent, you know, in such a prominent circle. They didn't want to give you any credit whatsoever for that. Right. And, and I was so the way I looked at it, I'm fine with them just saying, Julie Brown, give her all the credit. Fine. We just we want these pedophiles done. You yeah. know, I you know, it's nice to get credit for a job well done, blah, blah, blah. But God, God knows what I did. And that that matters. And the people who follow me, people like you, that matters. But then I saw reporters who would they just said nothing about Epstein. The first mention of Epstein is thank God for journalism. Thank God for CNN. I was like, no, that's when I was oh. like, oh, hell no. No, you're, you're not going to take credit for my work. You can give all the credit to Julie, who deserves a ton of credit. Great. But you're just like, how to, to quote Greta, like, how dare you? How dare you try <laughs> yeah. to take credit for this? And, and that was when I spent a lot of time um, going after people in the media. I will say this to their credit, the Miami Herald named me in every story about the Epstein thing. Julie Brown, she's a lefty, but to her credit, never tried to write me out of the story. So then wow. meanwhile, every reporter is reading her stories, but then pretending like I wasn't in them. 
if you're reading her story, she's seeing my name and then they write me out of it completely dishonest. And it's what you have to expect these days. Well, it's 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 unfortunately become what most people should suspect, except most people don't. They don't have any clue that that's what's going on. One one last question with this Epstein stuff. As you were on on the heels, basically trying to expose this guy, trying to hold him accountable, get the documents unsealed, get the charges unsealed so that they could be looked at and investigated further. Did you ever did you ever fear for your life? Oh, no, I was warned, actually. No, no. So th- that's a great question. So early on, and this is why I give Julie Brown so much credit, the, the Miami Herald getting involved in the case is what literally saved my life. So early wow. on, I yeah, no, it's, it's mind-blowing, but it'll make sense. So early on, I filed this thing, and then friends of mine and at the time, you know, because people who doubt me, they can – the national security advisor has held meetings about me because I have so many sources in the white house. So this is, you know, this can all be checked. And one of my sources said, there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of credible threats on your life. You need to just drop the Epstein stuff. Wow. So I quit talking about it for about a year. I I was like, okay, (laughs) these are like, these are the kind of people. Yeah. But then once the Miami Herald, you want to get in suicide. It's like, well, yeah, I would have. I would have been. So once the Miami Herald came in, you're like, well, what are they going to go after Julie and me and the Miami Herald and everyone? So then the cat was out of the bag. But no, no, I lay, I lay low on that stuff for about a year. So there is absolutely. Yeah. And the, the and the sourcing on that, like what people told me, like, we're getting a lot of chatter, man. You just need to drop it. So, OK, wow. So I let it go for a little bit. Yeah, that's and that's what happens to people. And that's why it's important for these multi-billion dollar media networks to do their jobs shouldn't be to people like you or me because people go to me every day. Why do you do this? The answer is I don't want to. I liked when all I did was went to the gym, wrote about mindset, took, you know, gym selfies. And that's all I wanted to do. I just want to go to the gym, hang out with my family, write a book a year. But if we don't do it, if we don't do it, we know now it'll never get done. So we have to, we have no choice. Well, brother, I thank you for uh, for being courageous enough to investigate as far as you did, wise enough to then take a back seat and let the thing cool off and and stay alive for a year, and then again, courageous enough to say, you know what, if Miami Herald is picking this thing up, then it means I I should be safe. So I applaud you, brother, for helping to take down just a truly evil individual. Yeah, we want to be courageous, but we don't want to be stupid too. I've, I've told exactly. people a few times. Hey, there's nothing wrong with laying low. It's getting a little hot. You better, you know, you better lay low. And sometimes that's the right move. And did Epstein kill himself? I mean, come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the funniest part of that is I, I'm kind of frenemies with a lot of reporters at national outlets, and they're they're, they're like, nobody thinks he really killed himself, right? I'm like, no, like. Phew. Because they don't want to, nobody wants to believe a conspiracy theory, right? You, we're right. told conspiracies never really happen. I don't know any reporter, not one, who believes he killed himself. And we're wow. talking left wing New York Times, Washington Post, every nobody, nobody thinks he killed himself. But they'll never say that. No, they can't, and that's where yeah. the, the you know the cowardice kind of sets in is that he didn't. And right, yeah, I, I don't, say, I don't just think say that either. In fact. One of my good friends I went to high school with that's on the other side of the aisle of me politically. He's more uh, more of a lefty liberal. I think he's, he's I think he's a Bernie supporter. 
he watches my show because again, we're old time friends. So he bears through it and he does it also for, I think, opposition research, which I think everybody should do, right? Don't be so closed minded right. and, and live in this one bubble that you don't know what's happening in every other bubble in the space that you're entering in, in our country. We should know what's going on and then be better with that better information, be able to make better decisions. So he watches my show and knows where I stand and knows that I emphatically 100% support this president. And when Epstein, got murdered in prison and it came out, oh, he hung himself. He called me. He watched my video. I, I did a video on it. He called me after that and he said, David, he said, right now is the first time that I'm now questioning everything that I believed because I know there's no way Epstein killed himself. So I, I think there was a reverberating effect that took place across this country with those people that didn't believe in the fake news, that believed in the, the narrative and that believe that Donald Trump's a racist and all these negative things. And it's something like that right there that happens that wakes some people up. So I think that, again, if, if something good came out of that, other than him being held accountable and being able to leak all the names of everybody that was a part of it, hopefully at least his murder woke some people up that were on the left to, uh, to the truth. Yeah, that was a cultural tipping point. That was a significant moment in people's lives where you do begin to question everything you believed. And that's what happened to me when and we're going to have it now, too, with this coronavirus, where you're watching the media badger Trump about why he's calling it the China virus, which is nomenclature Trump only started to use after China started claiming that the U.S. military spread it to Wuhan. Right. Yeah. So Trump is like, well, you're lying. Originally, to be fair, originally. All the mainstream media was calling it the China virus, the China Wuhan virus. They did it for a month and a half close to. Then this PC thing came in where they said, well, we're just going to call it the coronavirus. And they wanted to start attacking every conservative, especially a white conservative that used that. But then exactly you're exactly right. As soon as China tried to come out and say, oh, it was the U.S. military. Trump's like, no, no holds barred. It's the Chinese virus. That could have been a clip, actually. In hoax movie is just watching them call everybody racist, 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 and then juxtaposing that with what they said uh, earlier. Absolutely. And that's one of the themes of hoax is that there's never a sense of like, hey, we we did it, too. Here's why you shouldn't do it, because that's what an honest person would say. An honest person would say. Look, we called it China coronavirus, but this is actually leading to some discrimination, maybe against Asian Americans. It's probably not a good thing. So we're not going to call it that. They never do that. No, they just go. How dare you? How dare you use that terminology? (laughs) Well, you were right. Exactly. It really (laughs) that's and that's also to the left. Why they're they're not doing as well as they could be is it is a lot of finger wagging. It is a lot of how dare you can't believe you're doing it. Then you find out, no, actually, you're doing the same thing. And then even with Greta, you find out there was um, I don't know if you saw this, but the media didn't cover it much. But Facebook had a bug where for about 10 minutes, you could find out who admined everybody's page. I did see that. And yeah, Greta's not even writing her own stuff, which exactly. we all knew, by the way. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> we dad, know, we, right? I was 16. Yeah. I, yeah. I was a precocious 16 year old and there's no way I'm writing that kind of stuff. And yeah. So you're just like, news. okay, we knew it was a lie. Right. And, and that's so much about all of it too, is we know we're getting propagandized, but yeah. proving it is the harder part. And that just showed, yeah, it was all propaganda. It was all fake or even her on the train. Oh, something, the, the train uh, company had to correct her because she acted like she couldn't get a seat or something like that, but they actually moved her to first class. And, and that's again, where the fake news, which is, 
what we try to to share in hoax is just like a, con- a, a concept. How do you think about the news conceptually? What is news? What is narrative? What, is, what does it mean to look at media propaganda and how do you describe that? So we took a really big sort of almost like Norm Chomsky inspired look at the big questions because once you have that framework, you're like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, I remember this bit in hoaxed and this is the same script they're running, but they just have different people playing the roles. Yes. Well, you did an amazing job in that, in that film. I'm going to go to a clip of it right now, actually, that uh, I think is, it's a part of it. I've got permission to play all these clips for anybody that's watching or listening. If you're listening, most of it, you're, you're going to miss some of it. But uh, the only way to see the clips, because on, on YouTube, I got to take the clips out. Otherwise, they'll ding me is just get it. You can get it now on iTunes. You can get it now on Amazon Prime. I just watched it on Amazon Prime. I bought it on Amazon Prime because I'm going to show this a lot to uh, friends and family when they come over. But here is here when we're talking about fake news and then we're going to go through hoaxed and then for our listeners and viewers, then we're going to talk about the coronavirus because you were an early champion of the United States taking very accelerated action uh, because of what you believe the uh, the virus was potential could become. So we're going to get to that after this. But uh, uh, let's let's go to this clip uh, from hoaxed that is exposing exactly where the propaganda has come from and who it's been supporting or what it's been supporting. Measure things in terms of headcount. The biggest headcount for fake news is communism as a whole. (sighs) Reasonable estimates are close to 800 million dead just in the 20th century from communism alone. There are a brutal number of uh, fake news stories covering up the hideous nature of communism. And given that the facts are so easily available, given that the data is so easily available, I, I really do more than question. I, I have nothing but bottomless contempt for the people who cover this stuff up because they are aiding abetting some of the greatest genocides in human history. And we know that Walter Durante at the New York Times, what he got a Pulitzer for his reporting on the Potemkin villages under Stalin when he was toured around and, oh, look at these fat, happy workers. And, and they were just taken out of the gulag, stuffed full of chicken and thrown in front of his uh, eyeballs. Unbelievable right there. And, and part of that uh, leading up to that is talking about the New York Times reporter that was sent over there to report on that and was reporting misinformation, saying that they're fed well, saying that, you know, there's children that that aren't hungry. It's plentiful or, or whatever his words were. And that was the New York Times. And then he was actually honored by who was it? I believe it was Stalin Pulitzer. that said, you're doing a great job. Yeah. And he won a Pulitzer Prize. There's he literally won a Pulitzer Again, a lot of times when you get into this stuff at first, and that's why we made hoax very lefty friendly. I didn't want to do um, – I don't want to throw – I'm not throwing shit at Dinesh either, so be careful how I word things. But I didn't want to do a thing for people who are like already kind of conservative or right-leaning. I wanted a person who's like your friend, a Bernie person or a center-left person to yeah. watch this and say, that can't be true. No way – did a reporter for the New York Times win a Pulitzer Prize for lying about a famine that killed millions of people? And then you go and do your research. You're like, wow. Um, so everything in there is bulletproof. There's nothing yeah. in there where we're doing a little bit of spin. I, I, when I told the guys, the directors who are, who are very talented, I said, look, I'm not going to micromanage this as a producer, but I want you to just think of everything has to be bulletproof and we're not preaching to our choir 
we want to reach out and evangelize to the people who are a little bit to the left of the center. Yeah. Well, and the movie comes across that way. It's, it doesn't come across like any conservative. It's more of a documentary, documentary on what's taken place and how far back in history this goes. It's like the, for, for a person to come to the realization or even try to entertain the idea that the mainstream media is not our friend and is actually our enemy or is pushing propaganda specifically to try to lead us in a direction that they want us to go, it can be a hard switch to make. But when you show that it's been done throughout history, it's kind of hard to deny when then you can go research it for yourself and see, yeah, this, these are the facts. A lot of this stuff came out afterwards. Things were exposed. Talk about Operation Mockingbird in there. You, you, you share so many facts and individual cases that when you put it all together, there's no way any sane person should be able to come out of watching that film saying the, the mainstream media is our friend and they always tell us the truth. Right. The bulletproof fact check everything in there. We ran it by very harsh critics. I was even very fair to people in the film who hadn't necessarily been fair to me because the idea wasn't to, to score points. The idea was to wake people up and bring people along. So, you know, Trump's a great example because we talk about the thing that he allegedly said about Mexicans that he didn't, but we could have included the one where people go, Oh, Trump was making fun of this disabled reporter. And you yeah. go, well, no, he actually makes this gesture all the time. Right. And he's done it to Ted Cruz and he's done it to a bunch of people. And it just so happens if you do that often enough and the person's disabled, you can say, oh, my God, look. So this is for people who, hey, I'm not saying like Trump. I'm not saying vote for Trump. I'm saying, though, if you don't like him, then don't like him for who he is. Just right. like I never spread conspiracies about like Obama or whatever. Is If you don't like someone, you don't have to like me. Right. But dislike people for the truth, dislike people for the true reasons. And then as people do that, they, they find out just how so much of what we see is not true. It's disinformation. So much disinformation. I love that section in there where you did have the, uh, I forget the individual, but he was breaking down, you know, how the mainstream media specifically and directly and intentionally would take a clip, create a narrative, create a story, to support the narrative and and then create chaos from it and create so many Americans that wind up with a hatred, with a, a dissent in their heart towards people that support the president. And it's like it, it's just so it, it's so unbelievable. That this is where we're at in, at this point in time in our country. And again, that's why I think your movie is so important for people to see, to really be able to get that uh, that perspective uh, outside of the mainstream media's perspective in a great setting or in their home watching the film with just given given the information that that they don't get because it's it's so alarming and unnerving and yet we're right in the middle of it we're right smack dab in the middle of it and we need people to come together because now we're facing coronavirus which people have different opinions on but whatever the coronavirus is the economic effects are huge and yes. people do have to come together and people do have to realize that the corporate media is trying to divide us there, there's a press conference today and they're asking Trump why they call it the China virus. And Trump goes, well, because the Chinese propagandist, a diplomat was calling it, blaming on the U.S. military. And you're like, OK, well, why does it the media attack the disinformation of a Chinese yes. diplomat blaming it on? They're not saying, hey, Twitter, why don't you ban this guy? Hey, why is this allowed on social media? This is foreign disinformation. Right. No, 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 no. They're just like, well, what are you going to do? This is what they like to do. A lot of, I call it like they wave their hands up. 
And I go, well, what do you want us to do, Mike? Well, I know what you do to me if I <laughs> said something like that. Right. So how about rather than be obsessed with me and my tweets, as I put in, you know, in hoax and the hoax we, we were filming in like 2017, we released it recently. I was like, just they're so obsessed with my Twitter. And what is Cernovich going to say today that's offensive that we can use to harm Don Jr. or to harm someone like that? How about yeah. you worry about foreign disinformation being spread on Twitter by China? Nope. Oh, what, do you, what, what are we going to do, Mike? Yeah, a huge reminder that I got in, from the movie is pay attention to what the media is not saying. And when they're not calling out that Chinese uh, diplomat or whoever, he, I forget this, his his uh, rank, but a very high ranking individual in the Chinese uh, government, when they when they're not calling him out as he's trying to play place blame on us, yet they want to go to the president and say, why are you calling it Chinese? I, again, I'm thankful that the president is as sharp as he is. I, I always try to remember, I always try to keep this in mind and always throw to my viewers and my audience. How do you think a Joe Biden would handle stuff like this? I can't imagine how Joe Biden would be handling any kind of dilemma like this or how he would be flumbering and flustered if if he he probably wouldn't even call China out. He'd probably just stop saying the Chinese Wuhan virus and uh, and shy away from the whole thing and let the let the you know, let China's accusation of our military being behind the the release of that virus probably just let it fester and grow into some big, huge scandal or, or whatever. I don't know. But I'm just thankful that it's Donald Trump that's at the helm and handling questions like this, because I saw that press conference and she threw that out there at him and he just threw it right back. He's like, no, they're doing this. Well, that's and, I'm going to call it what it is. And that's also right. And that's what I love about the media. They drop this because it d- doesn't work. But, oh, Trump, he's losing his staff. He's senile. They're always trying to say that. And then you realize Trump knows this minutia that unless you're on Twitter a lot like us, you're like, well, I didn't know China was doing that. You're like, where right. where'd that even come from? So you're trying to say that he's whatever, not he, he's not mentally competent or whatever. But he just picks up data like like that. Like, as old as he is, too, it doesn't even matter. Joe Biden, he's like, oh, I'm in good to meet you in New Hampshire. Oh, wait, we're actually in Virginia or Vermont or wherever it is. Yeah. You know that Joe's not processing information. So that's because I'm somebody who's been very uh, critical of Trump many, many times. But one thing I'll never stop admiring about him is – I don't know how he's in his 70s and has that kind of energy and that kind of sharpness and hasn't broken down from from the – because you've been in the eye of the storm. It's not fun when people are like, hey, I read this thing about you and it said that you're like a serial killer or something. You know, that that's yeah. – Trump faces that, the worst that any of us have got, times a thousand. Yes. And he just keeps going. really is amazing. I think personally, I think it's because of the amount of people that are praying for him. I think it's his own prayer life. I've got personal friends of mine that are pastors that are close to the president. Paula White is a good friend of mine. Bishop Harry Jackson is a good friend of mine. Romero Pena is a good friend of mine. They're all on in his inner circle. And he invites them in to receive prayer, I think, more than anybody ever hears about. And he's he allows them to pray whatever uh, they want, which is always something that stood out to me. Some of the some of the same individuals and other pastors have shared that past presidents, anytime a pastor was invited to speak or share or read a passage of scripture or pray that the administration would screen what they wanted to say, what scripture they wanted to read and what they were going to pray. And if it didn't line up, a lot of times they would just say, no, you can't do that, but you can read this and you can pray this. 
And this president hasn't done that. I think that he's he's truly open. I think he has an honor in his heart for what God is doing. And I believe that I know as a believer, I know you are as well. I believe God appointed him and chose him to be the commander in chief of our country at this time to save us from the impending doom disaster that would have become what the Democrat Party would push us to be. So I, most presidents get in office and they age. I, don't, I haven't seen this president age in the last few years, and he's taken more hits than probably anybody in a long time in politics. Yeah, he's certainly. Yeah, that's something that definitely does not get much attention. Yesterday, for example, the the White House was doing a call with the Hasidic and Orthodox Jewish community. Trump was going to try to make the call, but he just wasn't able to. Trump is always talking to all these religious groups. They're all they're all yeah. welcome, and. Then the media tries to claim that he's anti-Semitic or Islamophobic or whatever. And it's unfortunate because when you actually look at what he's doing, nobody's been more open to the, the black pastors than Trump has been. He's yeah. welcoming them all in. And even I, I read this. This is a shameful thing that I saw. It came from Vox. One, one of their – they have this guy. All he does is like clips footage of Trump to try to make fun of him. I forget his name, like Aaron Ruptor or something. But there, were, there was a laying of hands on Trump. They were making fun of him, like ha ha ha. And you realize when like, I was in the White House, from when I was just there last, I was there two weeks ago. Uh huh. Was it from that? It wasn't was from, it from that, that meeting. I don't think so. I think it was from a different one, but okay. it could have been from that one. The point is that a laying of hands in prayer is they ridicule it. They but then they call Trump the bigot. When no, right. actually, this is a common religious practice that people are undergoing. It would be like yes. if. If Trump saw Muslims praying in the street, he was like, oh, oh, you know, why are they doing this and mocking them? That's what they do scornfully yep. towards Christians. But they have the they, they have the nerve to call him a bigot. Nobody's been more tolerant of religion than Trump has been. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a, it was an honor. I, I know one of the first times he had a, a whole panel of, of pastors and ministers in there. My friend Harry Jackson was in there. Paula White was in there. But then the black uh, history event that I was invited to. I was just there for about two weeks ago. We also got to do that, lay hands on him. And I was behind. So I was putting my hands on some other people. But Terrence was right there, Diamond and Silk right there. And we were praying for him. But I saw Saturday Night Live mocking us. You know, they're mocking us. They Mm -hmm. took a screenshot of before he actually bowed his head to pray or receive prayer. And it just they just take it out of context. So it's it's a nonstop barrage from the mainstream media. Something that really stood out to me was which I don't think a lot of people know is that because the government has actually been has colluded and there's a history of the government colluding with the propaganda and with mainstream media outlets pushing narratives for the for a president Obama to have actually made propaganda legal before he left office is absolutely unbelievable to me. I'm going to show you this clip and I'll get your feedback. And now we have Jeff Bezos one of the richest men in the world, close to $100 billion in wealth with his oligopoly Amazon, getting $600 million contract from the CIA to house their servers while he uses the Washington Post that he owns as a warfare machine against President Trump and the American people. I was supported by the Central Intelligence Agency, by the CIA. This one great German journalist came out and said, yeah, the CIA wrote headlines for me. They told me what to say. There's many countries where this happens, where you, where, where you find people to, um, to claim they are respected journalists. But if you look behind them, you'll find uh, they are puppets on a string 
of the Central Intelligence Agency. Obama signed a Ministry of Truth into action before he left to use U.S. intelligence agencies against the American people. Now, critics argue the act allows the U.S. government to censor some news as propaganda and push a government agenda, in other words, government propaganda, on the U.S. citizens, usually by way of labeling inconvenient stories as fake news. Propaganda is now legal. Yes, legal, not illegal. It used to be illegal, according to a 1948 law, Smith Month Act, something like that. Because three years ago, wrapped inside the 2013 NDAA, was an amendment that removed the ban on the U.S. government creating propaganda and then showing it to U.S. citizens. Absolutely unbelievable that Obama was complicit in this, actually creating the avenue for the government to to have their hands, their claws around the necks of individuals like you and I that do want to try to expose what's going on and, and made it legal for the government to actually say, well, these are fake news and we're going to push this agenda. Expound on all this, if you will. Yeah, the clip in, in many ways surprises me every time I watch it because there's so much in hoax that I forget about it. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, wow, I can't believe they did that, even though even though I made the movie. Yes. Where it's actually legal for the government to, to spread propaganda. And we know that the propaganda they spread isn't going to be in our interest or in the U.S. interest. It's going to be attacks on us. It's going to be. I do know for a fact that and this goes back to a lot of my reporting is when I reported on certain people who were in the, in the um, one of them was the whistleblower who we can't name because why that's a new rule too. Right. I mean, we could do a hoax too of just over the past year, but I was the first person to report on him in 2017 and me, the media went after me hard. And that wasn't a coincidence. That right. wasn't, they decided that it was my time in the barrel they saw me reporting on people in the White House who we now know were doing everything that I said they were going to do. And that could that be CIA money? You know, could that be from that propaganda budget? We right. don't really know. But if they ask that, they go, well, that's a conspiracy theory. And you say, no, we're asking. There's a budget for this kind of stuff. And yeah. you people do attack anyone who tries to, to get the truth out. And they are now saying you can't name someone who's already been named and everybody knows his name. So we're playing this really, we don't talk about this in hoax, but this is another thing where I'm just like, we live in a dumb world where everyone knows his name. Everyone knows Epstein didn't kill himself. We'll pretend Epstein did though. And everybody right. knows the whistleblower's name, but we'll all pretend like we don't know his name. It's quite childish. It is. It, it leads into my next clip, which I think is amazing. The 60 minutes. Like, so you were, you became a target. Because you were exposing things, you were traveling to different areas, you're going to Bernie rallies, you're seeing that the Bernie supporters in 2016 did not support Hillary whatsoever. You're seeing that there's no mainstream media coverage. However, you're exposing the fact that they're amplifying anything at all. Charlottesville, they took that completely out of context. All of the mainstream media, from Don Lemon to all the MSNBC, I mean, everybody. The majority of the mainstream media are out there painting this story that the president is standing up for white supremacists and neo-Nazis. And you're trying to fill in the gaps, expose what's really going on on so many different fronts. Is that why? Is that why 60 Minutes? Am I missing it? I know that it was also the Hillary issue as well. Hillary was not well. We're watching her literally fall apart on camera. She can't hardly make it into the van. Right. She she's uh, tripping on airplanes. She's doing that weird thing with her head where she's you know cocking back, looking like this. It's it's crazy to me. And so you start calling that stuff out, and uh, and 60 Minutes took you on head on. 
How did that was that is that all accurate? Is that why was it over the Oprah or the, or the Hillary <laughs> thing or was it something else that they went after you for? Yeah, they were. It was for Hillary. They were Hillary's hatchet men and they were going to take me down a notch and destroy me. And what I always tell people about that 60 Minutes clip is that it did 16 million ratings views. It was the biggest clip uh, at that time since before Barack and Michelle Obama did an interview on 60. It was massive. Wow. So I'm good for ratings. You ever see me on TV after that 60 Minute special? Never. Not that I can recall. That was the, but no, literally, that was the end of the line. Wow. Because they thought that they – yeah, they realized that – because I – if you argue with me, I argue based on truth. If yeah. you say, Cernovich, you said bad things. I'm like, I know I have. I have. What do you want to do? Kill me? You know, like, let's move on and let's talk about all these other things. And the minute the minute that you just acknowledge, and that's why, you know, the Christian values are so strong. And that's why the redemption that they try to drive away is so important is I believe that the things that I've said, God's forgiven. So uh, a man wants to confront me. It's like, okay, uh, what are you going to do with me? And then when you say, but, but, you know, if you want to talk about this and you think these, this stuff is all so bad, then let's talk about these other things. And they don't know what to do because yeah. they fundamentally don't operate on a basis of truth. They operate on a basis of lies. Well, if, if any of my viewers are just now catching this or just now starting with us, I'm speaking to Mike Cernovich, uh, author, filmmaker, the man that uh, led to Jeffrey Epstein getting charged, arrested, broke the story, was a huge whistleblower, somebody that the mainstream media has gone after, and his latest film, Hoaxed, which is now on iTunes and Amazon Prime, is absolutely brilliant. It's a must-watch and share with your family, with your friends, to really understand what's going on in, uh, in society today. This clip right here is where you are being interviewed by 60 Minutes, and you literally ate his lunch, my brother. You ate his lunch. Here's the clip. If you're Scott Pelley, you're watching a movie where anybody who claims that Hillary Clinton had Parkinson's is a complete and total conspiracy theorist. If you're anybody else in America, you're watching a movie where you see a very sick person having coughing fits, having so-called allergies, falling down multiple times, and then having a major seizure on 9-11. And you're thinking, they're calling Cernovich out for the Hillary's health thing? She had a seizure and froze up walking into her motorcade. Well, she had pneumonia. I mean, how do you know? Who told you that? Well, the campaign told us that. Why would you trust a campaign? The point is the camera didn't show that, but he actually dropped his glasses. He was so freaked out because they're not used to somebody coming after them. The whole power dynamic of I'm the media and I'm Scott Pelley and I'm 60 Minutes and we're just going to interrogate you and you're going to give us what you want. That doesn't even enter my mind. <laughs> you ate his lunch, man. He didn't know what to say. He thought he had a, a comeback for you exposed him. It's like here he just admitted that they're getting their information from the campaign. Why would you trust the campaign to be honest with somebody's health? With their political candidate, why would you do that? What was it like in that moment when you when you were really literally giving it to him? I don't know what happened after that, but that that is amazing. What was that like being in that chair and watching and witnessing that happen? It was funny for a number of reasons. One is he did drop his glasses because he was startled. They're not used to, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in an argument with someone you care about. And you can feel the words hitting you. You're just like, ouch, you know, they're, they're like the blows yeah. are landing. Oh, yeah. And it was very much of like, this is Madison Square Garden. And that's how I treated it. I went a whole week 
after the interview, Shauna's like, oh, my God, I was so worried. And I go, why? She goes, you didn't talk to me for a week. I didn't think you were taking it seriously. And I go, oh, no, honey, you got it. The opposite. Like, I'm on hikes, three-hour hikes, running everything through my head. Okay, what if they say this? What if they bring up this? What if they go after this? So I'm ready for the hard test. I'm ready for the PhD test. I sit down, so I'm a little, you know, you know, a little firm, a little rigid. And he goes, Hillary's health. And I was like, oh, my God, they're, they're giving me the easy test. <laughs> they they <laughs> really think that this is how they're going to hang me. And so they weren't remotely prepared. It was like I'd studied for the black belt stuff. And they're, they're in here with their white belts and something. And he, they didn't know how to handle it. They'd never – I could tell that they'd never dealt with it. And, and by the way, we see this now. We saw Don Jr. do it on The View – We've seen other people do it where if they come after you, because the way I look at it is this, if you want to have a nice conversation, that's a little bit aggressive. I'm cool with that. You can ask me about anything, but if you want to come at me hard, you want to bang, then we're going to bang. So then Don Jr. goes on the view and kind of uses that same tactic. Well, Whoopi, you know, you're defending Roman Polanski and this other one was wearing blackface and, and then they're shaking, right? They're like, losing their minds because nobody ever does that. Yeah. And that's how we have to be is, Hey, let's sit down ask me hard questions. I'm here, you know, do it. But if you do want to play like some kind of hatchet job and swing for my head, I'm going to swing for your head and I'm going to win because we operate on truth, right? We yeah. operate on the assumption that well, she was just lying. Hillary Clinton was lying and I can't believe you're taking her seriously. And this is actually making you look bad. So that was the end of my television career. That was my debut in the end because they re- there, were, there was even a bunch of articles written about the media spin was, well, you just this is why you don't invite trolls on because you just can't control them because they all knew. They all, anybody who watched that special was like, wow, just don't have him on your show because if you go after him, he's going to go after you. And they don't know what to do when you use their methods against them. Because they don't have the truth on their side. They've got skeletons in their closet. And when you know those skeletons and you know the truth, they don't, they don't have anywhere to go. Well, I appreciate that you're now in the filmmaking world. I hope you do come out with a hoax, too. I think it'd be amazing. Something else that really stood out to me in, in, in the movie, again, you can get it on iTunes now. You can get it on Amazon Prime. I bought it on Amazon Prime. Something that uh, really stood out to me was the beginning of fake news. Now, I've succumbed to the algorithms. I've succumbed to the community guidelines, standards on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. I've been demonetized on Facebook, on YouTube. They don't want us to be able to generate any revenue to help us expand our voice and expand our reach. What I didn't understand, what I didn't know was where fake news actually came into play. When I started hearing fake news, it was because of the president, but uh, I didn't realize that it was actually Google that started this entire thing. Let me go to this clip and then we'll, we'll be right back. Along came Donald Trump, the wild card. Probably the only politician that could have or would have been able to change this dynamic and kind of turn the campaign on its head. Each time advocates cried fake news, Donald Trump called them fake news. We were able to turn fake news back on them almost instantly. Of course, with the help of President Dr. Donald J. Trump, PhD, which is what I call him now. 
because he started calling the mainstream media fake news. Since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you, not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization you are attacking Don't be President rude. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you no, give I'm us not a question? Give you a can I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You can you stay categorical? You are fake news. The news is fake. Fake media. The failing New York Times. Fake news. Very fake news. People should be ashamed of themselves. You know, I've been hearing more and more about a thing called fake news. But I will tell you, some of the media outlets that I deal with are fake news. And so as soon as they introduced the idea that news could be fake, it was turned against them almost immediately. So that expounds on how the president turned it all around. The other clip I thought I had in there, but I don't, is how fake news was actually introduced by Google in order to try to sideline or go after the individuals that they deemed were a threat, basically, to revealing things and then and then demonetize them. Google demonetized me a long time ago. So the fact that they it originated there, the woman that was speaking shared that earlier in the movie. And then to see how the president, which I think is really iconic, it, it's kind of his staple. Most everything that they throw at this president turns around sticking to them. It, he exposes them for what it is. Uh, they wind up on their heads. How do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, Cheryl, I think Atkinson was the she was giving a talk about it. And you can see fake news didn't exist. And then you go on Google Trends and it became overnight. And the CEO of Google funded a nonprofit, which is how they launder a lot of their information to create this. Oh, now there's fake news. Now we have to go out, go after these algorithms, change things. My YouTube, for example, they got me early. I was doing on average, this is in 2000 and I think 17. I was doing on average 50,000 views a video, a thousand subscribers a day. The very next day, negative subscribers, 1500 views overnight. They just like, wow, they flipped a button. So now yeah. my page you know, I, I have 80,000 subscribers. If I do 5,000 views on a video, that's like a really good video. And that that's just what they, they pull the plug on you. My Facebook page likewise was doing, it was reaching 50 to 100 million people a month. And then overnight it went to 5 million. Now it's doing about a million people a month. And even though I have, I had 400,000 subscribers it unsubscribed a bunch of people and I haven't gained a net follower on a page with over 400,000 likes in 18 months. Right. Wow. Anybody who knows anything is that they're, that's just not authentic right? by just the way network effects work. That That's not how it would work. That's not how the math would work literally under Metcalf's law. And, that, and that's what they did. They did it to a bunch of people, and now they Google also changed the algorithm to where they flood the zone, I call it, with mainstream media recent material. So if you try to type in you know, Wuhan virus, you can't find the old articles from Nature in 2018 where they're talking about the laboratory doing all these experiments, right? You just can't find them anymore. Wow. The only thing you see is the front page MSM stuff, and that's how Google is – eliminating people's ability to find out because so for example just to use the, the wuhan uh, virus for, or coronavirus for example i don't know that it's a bioweapon i have no idea and that's not me being cute oh maybe it is i just objectively don't know right how would you find out well you can't find out because if you even try to talk about it they'll, they'll delete your video or they'll hide your video so unless cnn quote unquote reports it 
then there's no way in the world that you can find it. If you want to find out that in 2018, there were all these articles talking about this virus stuff happening. Like we found the old articles. Jack Posobiec has found a bunch of old articles too. In China Daily, all over, Nature Magazine, all over. You can't find those unless you're super good at using Twitter. And then if you try to talk about those videos, you'll be you'll be hidden or punished by the algorithm. That That is how they're manipulating a narrative. And it did happen fast. I call it the Empire Strikes Back. If I did hoax two, there would be an act in there, the Empire Strikes Back. So it goes from you know, Donald Trump wins, independent journalism is on the rise, to, oh, no, we're destroying everything. We're going to take all you people out. And that that is what happened. It's crazy that this is the current state of our country right now, the division, the divisiveness, so much of it. Again, your, your movie hoaxed, everybody listening, watching, download that, buy that, support Mike, and most importantly, educate yourself. It brings such clarity to what we've been witnessing in our country. You can't, it's undeniable and it's just facts and you can go research all of it behind the scenes. There's so much more in there other than the clips that I showed. I didn't want to give it all away, obviously, but it is definitely worth the purchase and and supporting Mike in his journey. And hopefully he'll have a hoax too that comes out as well. Let's get on to the coronavirus. I had a friend of mine on, Gary Haven, who uh, is a very connected individual. He's extremely wealthy. He supports this president to no end. He's donated a ton, over million, uh, over a million dollars to his campaign, uh, both last year and this year, total somewhere in there. I know it's over a million. But he, he, was, he was a bit critical because... Yes, the president did, did shut off the ports of entry from China early on, and he took a ton of backlash from that. But he, he's critical because he believes, which I do too, that there are a lot of people that were given the president a lack of information or misinformation that was allowing the president to – we've seen the clips, and, and I saw a video actually this morning somebody sent me that, that the, the Democrat Party, the liberals and the mainstream media are going to use – Every single time the president said, it's like the flu, it'll be gone. We probably only have five people. He said these things. They're clips. We can't deny that. The The issue is he was getting bad or misinformation from individuals. Again, so thankful that he cut off the ports of entry from China when he did. But it, if you take a look, I mean, every single day, it's just getting worse globally. And here in our own country, you were an early, an early proponent for massive action back in January. Why were you so positive that we needed to do something about this so early on? Right. What happened to me and what sounded the alarm was a friend of mine did everything in right in business. He saved his money, came up with an innovative idea, and he was ready to go to, go to launch. And I was, he was supposed to launch in November. So around late December, early January, I was like, hey, what happened to your company thing? He goes, oh, can't, can't do it. So like, what do you mean can't do it? He goes, factories are all shut down in China. And I go, what do you mean factories are all shut down in China? Right. Cause it didn't register. He goes, Oh yeah, there's this thing like Wuhan virus or some kind of thing going around. So there's no manufacturing happening in China. And wow. I said, what, what? No, can't possibly be. And then I started to look into it. And was finding out, okay, there is this thing going on in China. You know, it's called the coronavirus. And if we know anything about China, we know that they don't value human life. We know that China is not going to shut down. Yeah, yeah. They don't care about the human life for the truth. So we know they're not going to shut down manufacturing because a few people got the flu. 
or because wow. a few people have the sniffles. And I go, Great okay, point. this thing is going to be big. So I wasn't sure how deadly it would be, but I did know that that was going to have shocks to the economy because there are a lot of people who rely on China and it's easy to judge those people, but all domestic manufacturing was moved. And that was done under Bill Clinton and presidents and before Trump. So it's really easy to say, oh, well, I don't feel bad for these people. They're doing manufacturing in China. It's like, OK, you go try. Right. right. You try doing manufacturing without China. Good, good luck with that. And I'm thinking, OK, so this is going to be bad economically for sure. How many people will die? You, you know, we'll see. And then. I see the media and I've collected these articles because they're trying to lie again. They were saying it's just a flu early on, early February, the dominant narrative. So they're really quick to excoriate Trump for calling it just a flu. That was the dominant mainstream narrative until early to mid-February. That's what they were wow. calling. So they were maybe a week ahead of Trump. But they're trying to act like they were calling it from day one. I didn't. There were a few people, Posobiec, because he lived in China, speaks Mandarin. There's just like, for example, if you understand China and someone tells you they've shut down factories, you know, okay, whatever this is, isn't going to be reported right because they don't care if a few people die. People, you know, commit suicide at these iPhone factories. They don't they don't care. Must be big. And then. That was what drew my attention. And then the more I started to read about it, the infection rate, the death rate, the more I got concerned early on. And Trump, unfortunately, had really bad advice. And it was the people around him. Unfortunately, a lot of people around him, they take investment money from China. And right. nobody wanted to say anything that would offend China. They didn't, they didn't want to get their Chinese investors angry or the Chinese government angry. They, you know, they gave him really bad advice. But he has responded because I'm a big believer. And again, that Christian idea of redemption. Yes. You know, you want to judge what people have done only insofar as you can say, we need to like correct your thinking here. Right. Right. So if my, if my, you know, Syra pushes over Rumi, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, why did you do that? Why do you think it's okay to push your sister over? What's the thought process here? It isn't to punish them. It's just to say, let's figure out what you're, what's going on emotionally or cognitively the same thing like i can say trump blew it early on but he's doing a great job now and hopefully the advisors who gave that initial bad advice have been cycled out and corrected exactly yeah and i think especially even just with the with the poor information that he was given for him to take the decisive action he did to close the ports of entry uh from china i think that that we'll we'll never know how much that saved our country but we can look at what's taking place in italy and Italy had direct flights from Wuhan to northern Italy, and it's exploded. I, I know in the news today, they they increased by almost 500 deaths just overnight. So the fact that the president did take that decisive action should out overshadow anything else. Sure, I think maybe if he was downplaying it, it was because of his the information he was getting. It's it's the flu. It's not gonna be that bad. But behind the scenes, he still took very decisive action to try to shut that thing off from getting into our country. And he's done it. He's done it every step of the way, I believe, especially when he's got newer information. And it looks like he has surrounded himself with individuals that are bringing in more information. And I saw this. I saw the the the, the switch flip just what three days ago last week where now we're in the state where where we are, where it's, you know, they're asking people to quarantine, you know, self-quarantine. The thing that gets me is that so many people are still taking this like it's a joke. They're still acting like it's the flu. 
They're saying that, you know, we're all in hysteria because of the mainstream media, which a part of that is is true. We're, we're definitely people are people are going to the nth degree and they're acting in hysteria and they're hoarding, which I don't think anybody needs 20, you know, 50 packs of toilet paper. And the other funny thing is they're buying toilet paper. What about food? It's like I went to the store and sure, all the toilet paper has gone, but all the food was there. Well, you can't eat toilet paper. So the mainstream media is definitely cause for a lot of that. But unfortunately, there's still a lot of conservatives that I've seen that are friends of mine that are still talking about this thing like it's a joke. And I'm, and I'm coming back to, wait a minute, the president is no longer acting like this is anything small. He's making very specific directives. He's talking to the governors. The areas in the hot spots that have the worst places are shutting down cities, counties, San Francisco, six counties, 1.7 million people on lockdown. It, it's serious. It's very serious. And I think that we should all be overly cautious than underly so, because if we're underly cautious and people don't have symptoms, yet they're carrying it, it could spread like crazy and be absolutely catastrophic. I mean, one life lost too soon over this is catastrophic, but then magnify that by hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands. Or if some of the projections that I've heard wind up accurate, it's 40 to 70 percent are going to contract this thing of Americans are going to contract this thing. And if the mortality rate is anything like it is in Italy, where it's, you know, six to seven percent, that's absolutely unlike anything that our country has ever seen or will ever go or hopefully will ever go through again. It's 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 alarming, to say the least. Yeah, even if it's, quote unquote, only one percent, that would make it 10 times more deadly than the flu. That'd be 600,000 people. That's more people than died in all of World War Two. Right. More American yes. soldiers lost in World War Two. Vietnam more 65,000 people died. That was huge. And one point I do want to make to the, you know, the just the flu crowd. I, I had no idea 60,000 people died from the flu every year. So True. if my answer to them is I had no idea this is bad. I think we should do more to fight the, the normal flu, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just like when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, I, really? 60,000 people a year die from the flu? Okay. Um, let's let's talk about that. So I don't like how that's being used as kind of a glib or shallow talking point to distract from coronavirus. To me, that's more like, okay, well, let's talk about this once we're done with coronavirus and figure out maybe there's something we can do. And now everybody's washing their hands, being more mindful of, you know, how to not spread infection. So I, I view it as even if it's quote unquote, just the flu, that, that's a terrible thing. And we need to figure out how to better protect vulnerable groups who contract the flu. Yes. Let me ask you this. I know I, I know as a country we'll get through this. I absolutely believe that we will. Being that it's so close to election time, do you personally think that this will have any bearing on the presidential election? Depends what happens in the summer. So the reason that question is pretty much impossible to answer at this point, one, it will have an effect. Absolutely will have an effect. A number of things. One is that if it's as deadly as people think it is, there won't be any Trump rallies, right? Those are those are done. But Joe Biden's not that healthy either. What do you do? This is something that a lot of people, wow. not to be morbid, but you, what do you do if Joe Biden doesn't make it to the ballot box in November because of how deadly and infectious this is? And he's at risk. What do you do if 10 GOP senators who are all at risk come down with this? Right. If the fatality rates are even close to what it is. So we've never we've never seen anything like this close to an election where you could lose candidates for office right before the election. Like, what does that look like? Wow. We don't really know. 
Uh, so 100 percent it's going to have an effect yeah. what that effect could be whether it could help him or harm him way too early to tell yeah i agree i don't think that from what i believe and from the individuals that i speak to and and, and have co- contact with i'm grateful that it's donald trump that's at the helm of this country during this virus during this crisis i don't think it negates the three years of absolute amazing progress that our country's made on so many different fronts uh, if anything, dealing with this reinforces the fact that we need somebody not like Donald Trump. So I don't think there's too many people out there like him. We need him at the helm of right. this country as commander in chief and definitely not a Joe Biden or a Bernie Sanders. I think it'll help concrete, you know, his base even more, regardless of the fact of, you know, if rallies are are, are canceled all the way up to election time. I think people will be will be more respect, re- receptive to uh, making sure they do what they got to do. But what you posed is our, our great thoughts. And hopefully we don't have to think about too many of those things taking place. One last thought. Do you think that this was, and this is pure pure conjecture and speculation at this point, but do you think that because of the tariffs that we had on China, because of the president righting so many wrongs that our country has had to deal with from China, do you think total, total outer space land that this was in any way something that was legitimately released by China on purpose, thinking that it would then have this kind of catastrophe around the globe? And have this kind of impact on our country? I don't think so. And it isn't because I think China are the good guys. I think it's because what it did to their manufacturing was destructive. They're getting, you know, we're getting pounded too. But at the very least, when we get pounded, there's still some kind of wealth in this country. Like we know that we can still get through this. It's hard to lose your job. We've all been there. In China, they, you lose your job, people are going to starve to death. That, that's not the right. kind of thing that they would want to have happen. So there's always a chance or a possibility it was a rogue element, but I don't think so. I think that this was it. Cause if you look back at contemporary reporting, I think this was a laboratory test that was done. There were experiments that were done on exotic animals and then employees stole the exotic animals and sold them for like extra money, right? How much money could you get for a bat or something like that? The people are underpaid. So I think you, I think what, if China were telling the truth, I think what we would find out is that it was an experimental virus released by a rogue employee who had stolen things and had sold them on the black market. Yeah. Purely a containment issue. That's, that's kind of where I settle too mm-hmm. from the stuff that I've researched and said. I always like to try to cover questions like that though, for those that wonder, because people do wonder, but it seems like to me from what I've seen and, and, and researched, is that it's a it was a containment issue and add the elements to it like you just suggested then there's there's more cause for that hopefully in one way or the other i mean china's already paying us in in tariffs but i think first and foremost we just need to get through this crisis we need to get the and then once we're through that get the economy back where it was roaring again i know we'll see a huge comeback i believe uh, that as well uh, any final thoughts mike such a pleasure having you on with me today any final thoughts that you'd like to share with my audience Well, I do think, I mean, I don't think, I know we're going to get through this. Yes. And I know, I know we're going to get through this as a country. This is a time for people to come together. And this is a time for, for, I don't know if they're capable of it or not, but the media's got to knock this crap off. There says press conference today, just out of your own self-interest, don't look like that. That, There's a thing where sometimes a friend's like, hey, bro, that's like not a good look. And they're trying to help you out a little bit. I'm trying to help the press here. This is yeah. not a good look for you to repeat Chinese propaganda. And it would just be better for all of us for this one time. We can put aside orange man bad and put aside all these little grievances 
and come together and let's get through coronavirus and we can all go back to fighting and I'm happy to lead the charge and we can do all that crap. But for now, grow up, let's act like adults and let's treat this thing like it matters and like it could kill. If this is, if coronavirus is as bad as it could be, if we don't stop it, everyone listening here will lose someone they love. Mm-hmm. I would like that to not the Democrat, Republican. It doesn't really matter. Yes. So come together. Let's figure it out. And then we'll get through this. The economy will come back right away because the fundamentals are strong. And may, I don't know, maybe we won't want to fight so much afterwards. Who knows? Well, that 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 could be a silver lining. I know we've seen it from uh, Dana Bash, I believe, on CNN. Uh, we've seen Andrew Cuomo. Uh, give praise to Trump and his administration. We've seen uh, Gavin Newsom do that. It'd be a silver lining if out of this entire thing that I I still believe that there's an enemy out there against all of us. And I think that uh, enemy would love to see more division and divisiveness. It'd be a great silver lining if we came out of this more unified than ever. I hope, man. I, I hope this is this our time to rise. It's our time to rise. That's what I tell people is, there's because I don't I'm a mindset guy, right? I was in this world, gorilla mindset. Like I, I was never I'm, a, I'm not a doom and gloomer. I always believe that you can get through this and get through this stronger. But this is a task. This is a task from God, the universe, however people want to frame it or think about it. And these are the times where you develop spiritual growth. This is what people have to understand, too, is that when times are good, the money's easy flowing in. That's when people stray from God because, yeah. because why? I don't know. It's just something about us. And when times are a little tighter, that's when people come together and that's where people come closer to God. So I hope that this leads to a spiritual revolution and spiritual renaissance in America and across the world. Well, I couldn't agree more with you, Mike. And uh, I, just, I just pray for you, my brother, and just believe that what God has begun in you, um, he's going to continue to to uh, to do in you and through you. Your voice is powerful. It's necessary. It's needed. Uh, you're in this fight, in this place for a reason. I think that there's so many amazing things in store for you that you still have yet to create, but are going to be hugely impactful for waking up the masses, for bringing unity together. God's got amazing things in store for you, brother. So just praying for you, your your wife and your kids that uh, you'd all just have peace and rest in this time. And, and again, thank you so much for joining me on my show today. Always a pleasure, man. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Thank you, Mike. God bless. So friends, there you have it. Uh, An absolutely amazing individual, Mike Cernovich. Make sure that you get his movie, buy it on iTunes, buy it on Amazon Prime. It is worth it. Every single minute of that movie is so informative. Uh, it wakes you up and, and invite your friends over that right now, maybe there's you're going to have people over at your house that are self-quarantining with you, uh, or at least you can watch it yourself while you're self-quarantining and you can share uh, how much you enjoyed it with your friends and your family. That'd be a great support for the cause, for the mission, and for Mike. He's a good man. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please share this episode with family and friends. And if you like what you heard, make sure you give me a five-star rating. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.